six, so someone take what, 18 and 0, and 1 through 18, and someone take 19 through the end. I'd rather use my thing so you don't have to take them when, when you're reading this one, or listening to it, or reading it, uh, read along, see if you can pick out <coughs> who, who, the, who he's speaking to and um, what he's referring to in here, and uh, when, especially when you get to the second half of it. Uh, he's, he's speaking of something, so just see if you can pick out the topic that he's talking about. <coughs> the remnant of Israel. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you, do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I, am, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Is, what then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the, but the rest were happened as it is written. God, God gave them a spirit of stupor. Stupor? Eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, let their, let their table become a snare and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see, and bend their backs forever. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, though their trespass salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now if their trespass means riches for the world, and if, it, if, if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, and as much then as I am an impossible to, to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make, make my fellow Jews jealous, and thus save some of them. When did you tell me to stop? 18. For if their rejection means the uh, reconciliation. reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered at first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot were were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. Do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you re if you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. <coughs> you will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. 
Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. <coughs> Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise you also will be cut off, and if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature, and contrary to the nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? I do not want to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all of Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them, when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are your enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result from their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. O the death of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out, who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counseling, who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Who is he speaking to? Alright, we'll be in the church. A whole the Jews and Gentiles. Why 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 do they eat one of them? He's talking about uh them being grafted into the tree. The tree was grafted into the tree. What was the tree? I think it was that God had chosen was the people that God originally chosen was the Israelites, and then all the people who were grafted in later were the Gentiles. So he's talking to who? Both the Jews and the Gentiles. Who's he? He's specifically speaking here in the speaking to the branches. I mean, to the to the uh, grafted in branches. Okay. I think he's. It appears he's continuing talking from ten in the beginning. still talking to the, to the Jews at the very beginning and then here he switches and he says now I'm talking to you Gentiles yes because he's just finished what was he telling basically telling the, the, the Jewish side of the church intent just a quick summary maybe before he started speaking to the Gentiles in, in 13 before that yeah 1 and 12 um Grace, 
Yeah, and how there, there doesn't, there doesn't, there is not, no need for works anymore because God has given us grace and wouldn't be grace anymore if it was by works. Yeah. yeah. And he also mentioned, uh, like y'all mentioned, the. I don't remember. That's all that. Just and also think back for all of the the whole book of Romans, the part, first part of it, what was, what was the problem, to, what was the original problem he's addressing? He's addressing the two sides by each other. Yeah, there's disunity in the church. <coughs> so he's really dealing with disunity among two sides. What were the, what were the arguments of the two sides? Um, the Jews didn't want the Gentiles they weren't chosen into uh, to be a child of God, so the Jews didn't want them in there. And then uh, Paul is like saying, "You're just like them. We're, we're all the same." And, um, yeah, so what were there? Wasn't necessarily they didn't want them in. Now the Jewish sect, yes, but the Jewish Christian, the Jewish part of the Christian Church. Uh, they they recognized that the Jews could become part of the Christian church, but then there were restrictions on them. Remember the Noahide laws, right? So they put restrictions. They said, well, if you, you can be a part of us, but you still have to follow parts of the law. And so then, there's, because they're still living a lot of their rituals too, you know, from whatever their, their side of was, you know, of paganism and uh, craziness, you know, kind of things. They were still doing some of their ritual things, too, just like the Jews were still doing theirs. And the Jews were now imposing, and they were trying to impose them on each other, really, is what was happening. <coughs> and, uh, so there's, you know, there was a rift in the church of two different sides. And so the ultimate uh, deal here is God's trying to reconcile, or Paul's trying to reconcile the two sides of the church. And how has he been reconciling? What's he been telling them that Part of what you said. Yeah, they're all, they're the, all same. the same. You know, because they they thought they were special and something set aside, and they were because they are the branches of the tree. What's the root of the tree? Jesus. Jesus. You know, so he's the root, and so they're the branches that they were chosen to, <coughs> with, uh, to be a part of that. But he's also spent, you know, several chapters here explaining that that it wasn't just by choice all of Israel, because he's made several comments throughout all this that there was, and especially now in verse 11, he's really speaking of a remnant. How could there be a remnant among Israel if, uh, that, that, if the remnant is chosen if the whole Israel was chosen? Yeah. Why would that exist? Why would there be a remnant? What, what's the cause of a remnant existing that that's who's now chosen? Versus all of Israel chosen. Because that's what Jews said. All of Israel is chosen. If you were birthed into it, you were chosen. Jesus died on the cross. And so, so it, it, what was for chosen people now became for all people. What's the requirement to be chosen? Yes. That's key. You know, so it's the same requirement for the Jew as it is for the Gentile. It is belief. It is faith. It is by faith that they are chosen. Not by their their uh, heritage or their uh, lineage as a Israel 
Israelite Jew, right? So he's, he's gone through a whole lot to explain that it is by faith that you are, and by God's grace. And so here he's, he's speaking to, you know, because the Gentiles are kind of like, nah, 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 you know, you're <coughs> in too, you know, and we don't, and so you shouldn't make us do this. And so there's this argument thing going back and forth. And so now he's saying, all right, now for you guys, here's the deal. Uh, they were God's chosen people, but just because some of them rejected, uh, and it doesn't mean that just because they are, are Jew that they're all in, because they're not. It's only a remnant. And so he gives several references through Old Testament Scripture, through their Torah, through their what they would recognize as authoritative from the Lord, saying that some of you have been left out. And so the Jew, who is a true Jew and not Christian, says, we're still waiting for Messiah. You know, but Messiah has come, and so the ones that have recognized it have recognized who Jesus is and accepted by faith. And so now they're <coughs> also they're they're part of the branch of the root of, of of God of Jesus, right? And so, but some were broken off. So who was broken off? The ones who accepted Christ. Yeah, the ones who broken off from the root of Christ. Who are they? The ones who hardened their hearts. Yeah, it was the ones who hardened their hearts and and were unbelieving. So unbelief causes you to be broken from the branch, from the olive branch, from the tree of who? No, Jesus. Because the root is Jesus, right? The branch is Israel. The grafted branches are Gentiles. You see that? You know, so as the grafted, who's the wild olive shoot that he speaks of here? It's further down. Uh, where are we even at? Look at verse 20. Am I chapter 11? Yeah, we're in chapter 11. Look at verse 20. We're somewhere above it. Yes, but remember those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do not. And and you are there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear, fear what could happen. Yeah, so I mean, it's in unbelief. You know, they were broken off. He goes back up to uh, the, the word stupor uh, there. Anybody have an idea what stupor means? Yeah, so their hearts were hardened in verse 7. Uh, it says, when Israel is, what Israel is seeking, it has not obtained. What was it seeking? Righteousness. Righteousness. And by how? And it wasn't obtained. So it was by those who were chosen to <coughs> obtain it. Uh, so who was chosen? Uh, was it Matthew chosen and not Sean? Who was chosen? All that believe. believe. Whoever, remember? So those words are real important now because someone will come along at some point and go, oh, well, Matthew was chosen, Sean is not. Sorry, I don't know that Sean is not, but since he doesn't obviously have a belief system or, or you know, whatever, you, you, those people that are lost out there, well, he must not be saved, and he wasn't chosen, and he died in his unchosenness, and he's dead in hell. That's not what this is at all saying. So when they, because when they start talking about the elect and predestined and chosen and foreknew, he said he foreknew at the beginning, you know, right there in verse two, you know, that uh, God does not reject his people whom he foreknew. He knew who would accept by faith and who would not. But he didn't. He's this. The covenant is still with all of Israel. The covenant is still. They can. They're still a part of the branch, a part of the root of, of Jesus. However, there's still a requirement. 
It was then, <coughs> and it is now, and it is the same requirement. And the requirement is? Jesus. Jesus. And by how? Faith. Faith. And there, so that's why Old Testament is still about Jesus. Old Testament is still about faith. It's not that there's this covenant of the law that he had with them. And it was, oh, if you keep the law, you'll be good. And then since they couldn't, he had to bring somebody else in to fix that. That wasn't what, that, that is not how Scripture is set up. So you've got to really be careful of that kind of thinking. That, oh, uh, it was broken in the Old Testament and he fixed it in the New. It was the same in the Old as it is the New. Just the law revealed that their, their unrighteousness is what it did. It, it revealed unrighteousness. And so they tried to obtain righteousness because of, by following that, and it didn't work. And so they're, they're oblivious to that fact. But now this, this group that has finally seen the new the Messiah and they have faith in the Messiah, they have been brought back in. They have been put back in. But they're part of the original grafting of the original branches, so it's different than the Gentiles who were not a part of them at all. And so now he calls them the wild olive sheep. But so when he says that they were in a stupor that they didn't know, you know, the, uh, it's insensitivity, numbness, drowsiness. So now you start to see, how do you see that in our culture now? How do you see it in your own life when you're drowsy, you're numb to the facts of what God is all about or the facts of who Jesus is? Then what happens is you get totally numb to the needs of other people. You get totally oblivious to what's happening around you. And you can't see what God is saying. You can't hear God either in a stupor. And so they couldn't hear, they couldn't see, and what did they do? They lived life trying to be legalists. And so he starts speaking later, maybe, I don't know if he said it here, but he was a part of the tribe of Benjamin. He was the top Israel, you know, guy. So, I mean, he, he understands where they're coming from, and it didn't help him. And it became, you know, instead of more of Paul, it was less of Paul. And that's why it's, it's more of Jesus and less of us. That's why dying to self matters. That's why it's, it's, a, it's an issue of when there's selfishness involved in your life, you, 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 you go into a stupor at some point. And he, and he says here that he hardened their hearts, you know, in, uh, uh, in verse 7. It was not obtained, but those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. You know, what do you think hardened means? What do you think hardened means? I think there's like a restriction, not really letting anything in. I mean, it's it let anything into where? Your heart. Yeah, your mind, your heart. You, you can't let it in. Uh, it says Mark chapter 6, verse 52, For they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. Corinthians <coughs> 3, 14, But their minds were hardened. For until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because it is, because it is Christ. It is removed in Christ. So that's the only way that the veil is lifted. And so as long as you think you can do it your own way, it goes back to the sin of the knowledge of, the knowledge of good and evil. As long as you think you know what's good and you think you know what's right and you think what's best, as long as you think in those terms and you think that what's best for the world and what's best for someone else or what's best for you, your heart is hardened from the truth and it's veiled from that of Christ. It's just like if you've ever had anybody tell you that they love you or they care for you or they're looking out for you or they're just trying to do what's best for you, but you don't believe them at all. Um, I mean, immediately, immediately you're putting up your guard. Immediately you're second-guessing everything they're saying. You're trying to read in between the lines. What are they really telling me? What's really happening? What's their motive? You know, you're consistently, that, that's how you handle people like that, that, that are willing to lie to you about caring for you. 
the Jews didn't believe that this was from God, that Jesus was God, and that this was the new way. Well, immediately now, after the first time that they've heard it, they've made the determination of, I don't believe this. Now it's, no, I've heard this before. It's not true. This is not God. This is not it. It's the same thing. It's They are stiff-arming, and they are the ones hardening their own hearts. To say, and it's hardening by saying, it's not true. I already know the truth. This isn't the truth. Yeah. It goes back into chapter one when he's talking about he leaves you out to your own selfish and lustful desires. You know, so that's what happens to a Christian now. You know, at some point, if you start thinking so much about yourself and and you put process uh, people over or process over people or organization over people or your own ideas over people, you're going to become very insensitive and a stupor to them, and your heart's be hard, your mind is closed, and you'll never see the real truth. And you'll you'll be a walking disaster. That's the zombie person that I described. Well, then it's like, how does it pass from generation to generation? Well, because now the um, the parents and the Jewish schools and the synagogues and the temples are going to teach about what's happening and teach that it's false. So from the age of five, when they get into that system, they're being taught that this is false, this is a lie, this is not true. So you know, typically kids absorb whatever they're taught, and if they're taught it long enough, they believe their entire lives. Yeah. You know, so now you have children being taught this is wrong, and I'm sure just like just like we do with with other religions, teach about why they're bad. I mean, I remember taking classes at Glorietta on Mormonism and all this other stuff, and you know how to def, you know defend against them. I'm sure they did the same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, but then the same thing that we see in our churches. You know, why is it that that some pastors' kids turn out to just be like wild? Well, I think it's because the things they see at home. They're, they're not being verbally told that this is wrong, but through their parents' actions they're told this isn't real. So they have made a choice to believe this isn't real, and so now they step arm and I'm going to go this way. Yeah. You know? um, and so, so effectively, you know, when we do that to our children, we're teaching them to harden their hearts towards God because he's not real, obviously. So if you're living in the mind, you know, like Sean was, you know, and and some of those things, and that's what happens. You, you you get hardened against the hard side of things, and you miss, uh, and so then you get jaded. You know, <coughs> jaded, and everybody else is bad. You know, not that he said that, but I mean that's just, but that's one of the roots of it. One of the problems is everybody else is bad, and then you don't really understand the true, uh, the transparency of being in Christ. And so as long as you live, if you live that way, and you don't, you'll you will find them every turn. They're right here, right here in the midst of us right now. I mean, not in this room, but in the midst of us on this campus. I mean, there are people that that's they'll act like, oh well, we have to pray, and you know, we're supposed to pray. If you don't pray, we don't pray before we start every one of these. You know, there will be people that would condemn me because I don't do that, and I don't do that for a reason. I don't speak it and say things. There are some things I just do and don't do. You know, one of the four pillars for for me is and for all of us is prayer, right? So you think, oh, well, you should pray. If you're really spiritual, you should pray. You, know, who, you should always pray. Huh? You should always pray. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to pray out loud to the group. That's right. You know, and so I, it, I, same, the same thing happened for meals. I used to do all that for meals. And then I quit praying that way for meals. I pray, I thank God in my silence and thank Him for, not all the time, you know, uh, I don't always thank him for every single time I sit down at the dinner table. And for some people, that would be sacrilegious if, if, if not. And then some people who go, well, I was just raised that way. I just have to. And they have to. 
if we went to the stupor eventually. I feel like if it upsets you, then it's more about the tradition of doing it than the actual craving. It's it. Well, it's hard not to, right? I mean, because that's what we're taught, and, and that's and there's scriptural basis for praying for Thanksgiving, right? So there are certain things that that I decided for myself. You didn't necessarily teach them to me, uh, but things I picked up in the church that I had to do, and it's those things like you pray before meals, you listen to only Christian music, you listen, and there's certain things that you do to look like a Christian, act like a Christian, be a Christian. Um, and so there. Anytime that I feel like I have to do certain things, I actually don't. Um, if I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to only listen to Christian music, I, I don't do that. Or I'm supposed to I'm supposed to pray right now, like not a Holy Spirit prompting, but it's just like a, you know, like a. Um, it's a guilt feeling. Yes, almost. yes, yeah. it's different. It's not the Holy Spirit. It is something different. Um, you know, it's I got an obligation that I'm supposed to do this now. Um, some of those things I don't do on purpose because I don't want to go back. I heard of sometimes. Um, here on campus, where they didn't always end with prayer, and uh, and then they would there was judgment at the end of that. It's like, hey, we should pray. <coughs> Not necessarily. Well, we should pray. Oh, why? Why? Well, I have needs. You see what just happened? You know, when that person said that I have needs, what was it really about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a selfish thing that said we need to pray for me and my needs. And so to make it spiritual and holy. Oh well. Someone else in the group might have. So let's let's just open it up for prayer so I can share my my need. And then so then it was like, okay, well then you pray. And guess what they pray for? Their needs, nothing else. You know, and so it's just kind of craziness how that's that that legalism is is absolutely destructive. So super just be careful. And so that's what he's talking about. They were their hearts were hardened, they were, their hearts were made dull, they were in, in, insensible, they couldn't they couldn't even seek it anymore. They began into a super, as they got into a stupor and fell into a snare and a trap. And then who was the stumbling block? Because he will be your stumbling block too down the line. Just think about it. And when you have to rely on Jesus for all things, he will be your stumbling block when you don't want to. And, and you're going to go, but Lord. You know, or you go, but this is the right way. And you'll think in the head. And guess who's the stumbling block? Jesus, because he says, jump. You got, you know, the whole journey to the edge and the, the whole idea of what, what I'm teaching you guys is you journey to the edge and you get to the edge and the cliff is cliff looks like it's, you're going to jump to your peril and Jesus says, jump, and you jump. That's why it's important, the grit thing we talked about yesterday, <coughs> it's important to have grit to persevere through so that you don't let these mindsets harden your heart so much. So even if it's a little thing as the power pole or heights or any of those things, you know, whatever it is that you fear, conquer them. Learn to train your mind to be able to conquer them and let Christ overcome because the fact is someday you're going to have to jump from one of those power poles without a line. There will be a safety, there will be no safety line and you're going to have, God's going to say, jump. And you're going, uh, but there's no line attached. That's right. And then what do you do? You harden your heart and you and, and you miss it, or you jump and you in in reality the, the net is there and it's the hand of Christ. You know, we just can't see that there's a net. And we didn't put the net there. That's the thing. We want to put the nets there, right? We want safety. We're looking for safety. And so same with Israel. They're looking for safety. <coughs> they, they know the way. 
And so this other way is pretty risky. And so the ones that did, didn't, they go, well, we'll take part. And so they're still trying to, to have part of the safety net here. And it's all or nothing, man. It's all Jesus or nothing. And he says the, the, the risk is being broken off. And then so the Gentiles are going, yeah, we're in. And so now he's beginning to tell them, uh, hold on there, man. Don't get so arrogant on us. Don't think that you're so great and almighty because you got the same issues. And, and you could be broken right off too. So he grafts them in. And my granddad, and I, and I tell a story about this. You know, when I was in high school, uh, we had these uh, countries in our yard. We had like five, six of them, I don't know, a whole bunch of them. They were all over the yard. And a couple of them were special pecans. They were the big, they were called paper shells. They were big and easy to crack pecans. <coughs> uh, and man, they were worth money. Then we had these other ones here, these little bitty, they're called lady ones. They were little bitty pecans. They were hard shell. And there wasn't much meat in them. It was hard to break them. And they were just kind of almost worthless. So there was a, a, a tree growing. And it, and it was probably, I don't know, about that big around or so. And my granddad decided, and it was one of those natives, and it really was worthless. It just makes a mess. And so, you know, it was kind of one of those things where it was more hassle than really good. So he decided to, to graft the tree. So he cut the tree off about six foot high, cut it off, and then took uh, branches from the paper shell trees and grafted them into that tree and grew a new tree out of that. And some, gra some grafts took and, and some didn't. And that tree still is there to this day that is now a paper shell pecan tree that is that branch is producing paper shell uh, pecans and you but the base is native and no one would ever notice looking at it you could never tell but that's how you, that's how the tree came to be he grafted it in but I remember him fighting with those grafts and he would try and after a while the graft would just die and fall off and you know and he'd have to start over and cut a new layer and he just he worked on that for months and months you know until it finally one of the, some of the grass finally took, and that's what now has made a tree that produces good pecans. It's they're valuable and usable and edible versus the other. We still got other trees in the yard, some big ones, but uh, that are junk pecans. But anyway, it's, it's interesting. So as you are grafted as that olive, wild olive shoot, you've been grafted into the branches. So you can't condemn the Jews or some of the others. So you know it's you've been grafted in by grace. So you are, and it's not that Israel doesn't have a purpose anymore, and I think that's some of the interpretation here is, oh, well, Israel really didn't have a purpose. The promise is still good for them. At some point, they will, they will believe. When? You know, probably, I don't know, don't know when. Just have no idea. But there's a remnant being saved, and you're a part of the remnant now. <coughs> and that's why it's, there's so few, you'll see in the church, there's a whole lot of people in your churches that, that look like Christians, act like Christians, talk like Christians, but they ain't Christian. And the damage, the dangers, you could be that if you, you're missing the whole point. So it's important to understand these truths so that you can live the fruit of what you've been grafted into. And the fruit is powerful. And it's love, peace, patience, kindness. It's all the fruit that comes out of that singular. It's not, uh, I can have a little love this week and a little patience next week. It's all together. It's all at once. You've been given all of it. Right? I know you guys are tired and have a hard time keeping eyes open. Um, but I, I guess really this whole passage um, 
you know, it gets down to the calling and the gifts that you can give it. Um, and the calling is irrevocable. And so if you've been called, uh, you've been chosen, you've called, you've accepted the call, you've been chosen, and it's irrevocable. So the love of God is irrevocable on your life. You can't lose your salvation, but you can choose to walk away from it. And your hearts can't be hardened from it. You know, the call of God is irrevocable. That's why Israel, it, it, the covenant is still good for them. It's just by faith, not by works. And that's, they've got to get past the stumbling block of Jesus. And when they finally get past that, by acceptance, belief, that they're making those choices, they'll, they'll, they'll experience the fruit of the truth. But until then, they're broken off. But he says they can be grafted back in. That makes sense so far. Why do you think that matters? Gives hope. Yeah. It's the original branches which were cut off and be regrafted in. But then, of course, those who have never been grafted in can be grafted in. And then at the very end, why does he say that? Why why is all this grafting taking place? Why are Gentiles and Israel? Being grafted in. Do a lot in the end of the chapter. Yeah. Because all things are to them. Yeah. And for his glory forever. Means <coughs> all means all means all. All means all means all. All people sin. All people must come to God through his mercy in Christ. Period. End of story. Verse 32, For just as you were once disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience. <laughs> so, so these also now have been disobedient that because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now be shown mercy. So that's where he's telling them. It's not just for you Gentiles, it's also for the Jews. And just because some of them haven't got it doesn't mean anything. For God has shut up all the disobedience so that he may show mercy. So why obedience is important and, and uh, your belief and understanding is important. And it's more than a head knowledge thing. You know, thankfully, you know, I'm really grateful that you know, Sean heard that call yesterday. And, uh, and, and I think because when you study scripture this way, you start to see, you know, that it's there's way more to faith. It's simple, but it's not just a head knowledge, and it's not just a simple choice. You know, it's a belief that goes along with it. Without both of those, the mouth and the choice, which is believe in the heart and the, by confession of your mouth, that's that's how you're saved, and that's what how people know you're saved. So, uh, you know, be be mindful of what you project from yourself, from your mouth. That is, be careful of how what you say and how you say things, and learn the words so that you can. Explain to somebody what it means to be a Christian. It's very difficult to explain to a 12-year-old, 10 or 11 or 12-year-old that cannot understand it. It's very different to someone who's at your level, of college level, people who are smart and know, and there's lots of philosophies. And when you get to university, and you're at a university, or you take a philosophy, philosophy class, it, it's going to...
jack you up. You know, and a lot of Christians fall away at that point. So you are you are God's mouthpiece uh, there on those campuses, and so don't get sucked into the to the world. Kind of like what you're talking about in that orientation thing yesterday. I thought that was pretty interesting. That some of the people they've never experienced unity like this anywhere else. And so you get to a college like that, and they start finding unity, and then guess who they're going to find unity with? Like minds start coming together, right? And whoever starts talking to them first about whatever philosophy they're finding, and they'll they'll buy into that kind of stuff. And that's how they get far. It's like how your sister gets way out there. She's a philosophy major. I mean, that's that is an indoctrination of everything against what Christ stands for. It's very Greek, matter of fact. You know, and so that's 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 the hard part because now it's all head knowledge stuff. You know, and so obviously there's a, a gene of intelligence and running through your family, you know, so then that gene, <laughs> um, did it skip somebody? <laughs> and maybe so, but there's still enough in there that says our intelligence can keep us from our hearts knowing, right? as you found out, you know, so now that will, will give you a testimony that you didn't have before, you know, to speak to people like that. So each one of you have, 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 uh, opportunities to proclaim the, the good news and this powerful stuff. So learn it, man. Get the get the mind. He said there in verse the uh, one right before the last thirty-five. You know that you have the mind of the Lord. You know, and, and you choose to to follow that mind or or not. It's all your own. It's all your own leads to destruction, and you will. Experience that breaking off at some point if you turn from what you know about Jesus now. And here's the hard part for you guys. You've heard the truth so much, so often. You've heard more than a year's worth of Bible studies going to church in 90 days that now you have to do something with it. You can't leave here and not do anything with it. You can't go, oh, that's great, man. I'm glad I it was, it was interesting. Good thing. Good Bible says something. No, now you have truth in your hand that you have. To, you're, you're, you're accountable to do something with that now. And it's not to sit in judgment of the church when you go back, because that's what will happen. You want to judge the church. Now you're to be the light to those people. In and out. Right? And you've been crafted into Israel. You are. That's why. That's why it's so important that the United States has a relationship with Israel. You know, it's because of a Christian nation. People, man, they don't understand that. And so that as we become further and further away as a Christian nation, and we're no longer that, we're now that people want to just break away from Israel and let them be destroyed. But that's why the United States originally has been partners with them and protected them. Because they're in the midst of, I mean, they're surrounded by people who want to kill them all. If they could just nuke them once, they'd be done. And that's what they want to do. But because they have a bigger power outside of that that would nuke them all too. If that's what had to happen, they won't do it. Or at least it makes it a lot tougher. That's the partnership with these people that's so important for us. Hope that makes sense. Because you're grafted, that's your heritage. It's part of the branch you're grafted into. Part of what has been the line of Abraham. Alright, so I'm going to pray for us. And let's, uh, Holy Father, thank you for having us uh, here at work today, God. Just I pray that as this day goes forward and the rest of our days, God, that we just take this truth you taught us and you implant it in our hearts and that you would 
teach us and you would be through us to spread this truth that we now have with the Lord. I just pray that for this preaching this week, God, that the life-changing experience this week, that it would stay with them as well, and that you would grow in your grace and knowledge and truth. Here. So your sons know we pray these things.